Welcome back <laughs> to the Axie Podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I am Josh Hallman. And as a reminder, the Act 2, oh, nope, Act 2 is a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This podcast is just one of the things we do. So thank you for joining us. Give us a rating, write a comment whenever you go over to Apple or wherever you're listening to this. I actually honestly have no idea where else people get podcasts. I only go to Apple for my podcast. Mm. So wherever you go, write a comment there, rate us. Yeah. Tell us how much you hate us or love us. Either mm-hmm. is welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you can also send us emails with questions, topic suggestions. Uh, you just want to say hi to us. That's cool, yeah. too. You can reach out to us at act2writers at gmail.com, all spelled out, or on our Instagram and Twitter at act2writers. I guess I'm also on the things, I should say. Uh, yeah. Instagram, Story Thursday, Twitter, Tasha 3.0, though that is probably going away. And I won't even say mine because I know it's going away. Okay. Well, that leads us into a few housekeeping announcements. Well, yes. Yeah. Well, I just want to say, I, I just have to, I just have to say what the state, the obvious here in my yeah. mind is the obvious. Yeah. Five minutes before recording, Tasha messages me and said, Josh, I made a huge mistake. I said, yeah. what is it, Tasha? <laughs> <laughs> you never make mistakes. And she... <laughs> Proceeds to tell me and show me a picture that she is transferring information from one computer to her other computer, and the transfer is taking eight hours, like yeah. it's 2005 again. And Tasha's yeah. like doing a real basic I can transfer. Hear the dial up, <laughs> and then and then she's like, "I don't have my microphone, so I'm using my gamer headset." So I just I just want to say, if there's maybe a buzz, hear, I can hear my computer whirring right now. It's all bad, and I'm so sorry, everyone. <laughs> I made a I made a huge error. No, that's okay. Anyway, but yes. I'm here. So that's, that's all. And then on top of that, I was like, Tasha, I'm so excited about the weekend. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, are you not excited? And then I had to remind Tasha that it's a uh, it's a big weekend for her. We were celebrating Tasha and her wedding part two. It's a celebration. Part two. I got married. Yeah. Now we're doing a wedding reception, and Josh yeah. is invited, and it's Harry Potter themed. And he's going to wear a Slytherin suit. And I hope to post pictures about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I forgot. Because <laughs> yeah. things. Because busyness. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So housekeeping stuff. <laughs> First off, the podcast currently posts on Sunday night. So it's available for all of you on Monday morning. But we have found it becomes quite difficult to have a weekend for either Josh or myself. And honestly, when I say have a weekend, what I mean is writing (laughs) on the weekend. Um, And it gets difficult to do that. So we are going to start posting the podcast on Mondays, which means it's still available for you to listen on Monday, but just not until a little bit later in the day. Just gives us a little breathing room to be able to edit the podcast and give it the most love and attention that we can. And the second thing is a lot of people are moving off of Twitter, and rightfully so, it is an utter shit show. But the consequence of one man's childish behavior means that a lot of us are losing our communities. This is, you know, where we get to engage with you guys on screenwriting topics and learn about what's bothering everyone or about questions you all had. People got writing jobs off Twitter. We were able to share profiles work and work to showrunners and other writers. It was really 
a place of a lot of active engagement and we don't want to get rid of that. Mm -hmm. So for now, what we're doing... We created our own social media, our social network. No, I'm just kidding. Act2.com. Okay. Act Act <laughs> um, no, we're going to gradually start moving our content and our posts and um, all of our engagement to Instagram for now. You can find us there at Act2Writers. So go follow us there as soon as you can. And before we leave Twitter entirely, we're not just going to disappear. Wait, what? We will launch. <laughs> this is house cleaning. This, this, is is a- a, this is a surprise to Josh as well. <laughs> we are going to launch our Patreon where we get to engage with you all more directly so that our Act 2 screenwriting community can continue as uninterrupted as possible. So look out for the Patreon information. We're setting that up now. And once that gets set up, then we shall be off Twitter and away from the supervillain. Wow. That was not only some house cleaning, but just a, not not a left turn, but a turn. <laughs> a bomb drop. <laughs> I mean... It's inevitable. It's 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 actually what I had messaged you. It was like something to talk about because everyone is getting off of Twitter, and it, it was kind yeah. of it's like wow, where does does the screenwriting community need to exist online? I kind of think it does at this point because everyone loves it. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Twitter is was the most accessible place, but um, it seems like so many people are just kind of disappearing, which sucks. People are disappearing, and it's just not. I mean, it was never really a totally safe place, but it just doesn't feel safe anymore at all. So we're gonna, what, we're gonna, what changed? I mean, the fact that I mean, we could get into a lot of this, but the fact that Elon Musk now just this like childish supervillain now has complete access to all of our information and can just ban anyone he wants on a whim for whatever purpose he wants and just you know, on a whim also say that this is true, but this is false. All of that is just pretty insane. Not okay. Super weird. We're moving on. Is there any part of you that is happy that the world has its real life supervillain? No. Because a hero will rise. I feel like in the real world, that doesn't happen. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. Moving on. (laughs) All right, well, hey, wait a minute. We're going to be the heroes. We'll figure it out. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, let's you're, move on. Well, your face was really inspirational, and then you petered out there for a second. I was, like, ready to, to jump on board no, with you, jump I'm out fe- of a plane, anything. I'm feeling it. I feel like, in terms of screenwriting, yeah. I don't know about the other stuff, but the, 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 the social media screenwriting heroes, we're going to do it. We're going to figure this out. We're going to get people to a platform or somewhere or something. I don't know how this is going to happen, but I'm feeling inspired right now. And I love and it. we're going to I figure something out. Too. Or someone else will just create something like tonight and just be like, hey, by the way, here's this uh, new platform for everybody. So someone else, either we'll do it and we'll change the screenwriting world or someone else will do it. <laughs> yeah, we got this. We can do this. I know we can. I know we can. We can. Anyway. All right. Anyway. Okay. Topics for today. This week in writing. <sighs> we got topics. Got some interesting stuff that's been happening this week. Do you want to go first or shall I? I feel like yours are a little more interesting, so I'm going to start things off. Okay. Okay. I um, I think I talked about this last episode. Uh, it was basically I kind of had lost communication with a, not lost communication, but an executive was taking their time and getting back to me. And it was getting to this point where 
you know when something just starts eating at you and you just want an answer. That's all you want. It's it's yeah. it's you know you already know what the answers are. You know there's like nothing crazy to report otherwise you would hear certain news about a mm-hmm. script or a project. But it, it it becomes like common courtesy where you're like, "Hey, yeah. why isn't this person getting back to me?" And so what is what ended up happening to me over the last week, I think, was I st- I finally kind of like I went all out. I messaged my manager, I messaged some other producers that are working with me with another executive, and I was like, "Hey, what where's this person been like I feel like they've just ghosted like completely we have two projects like what is going on and it got to a point where I kind of am at that point right now where you I I started to feel like this nuisance like this annoying Mm. person who is trying to poke at somebody and and I don't like that feeling and I hadn't felt like this in a long time but I feel Mm -hmm. like it's a really common feeling within the entertainment world, especially within screenwriting, for instance, if you are a writer who has submitted their script to a agent or a manager mm-hmm. and they're taking a while to get back to you and you start emailing them and emailing them, you start feeling, it's, it's almost like embarrassment. Like there's like this, that you just know you're being annoying. Yeah. And from my point of view, I'm just like, just give me a response. This is, these are my babies. <sighs> I totally empathize with you. I do the opposite of you. And I just assume people are going to disrespect me as a screenwriter. (laughs) And I super let it go. Like, I leave it at that point when I'm feeling that way. I leave it up to my agents and manager. I tell them how I'm feeling. And basically, it's like, please fix this feeling that I have. Like, Hey, I've not heard anything from this person. Can you find out what's going on? And they usually do so that I don't have to do anything so that I don't have to freak out. Or if they're like, hey, no new information, then I just have to sit with that and move on to something else. Because like at no point has has me ever emailing like crazy and calling ever actually improved the situation. And it sucks because that's yeah. just what they do. They just leave you in the dark. Yeah, yeah. And just to be clear... It wasn't me. I, I actually was like, I reached out to uh, these other producers and my reps. And I was like, yeah. hey, can you find out what's going on? But I I feel like I was I was just coming on a little strong because I, I sent everybody in at the same time. I was like, mm. can you please just find out? And it, 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 I'm, I'm typically like you in the sense where I'll just wait and I'm, I'm good. And I, if I don't hear anything, that's fine. What are Something you waiting ha- on? What is the information you're waiting on? So there was, um, uh, it was a director has come on board to a script and they were pitching changes. And the last mm-hmm. I had talked to talked to this executive, they're like, we're going to let you know how his pitch goes and what the changes are. And I was like, that's mm-hmm. great. And and then we're going to start going out and trying to get uh, cast and, and we're going to just try to start moving forward and lock in this director and lock in this other uh, actor. I'm like, great. And then... <laughs> I was like, hey, what, whatever happened with this pitch? How was it? Like, it, it, are we a go with this director or did something happen? And that's where it was radio mm-hmm. silence. And that's all I wanted to know. Mm. That's it. How long ago was their pitch? Well, it got pushed. And so I don't even know when the pitch was. I think it was, mm-hmm. I think it was like over a month ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just became That's curious. a weird situation because that is like we're in the middle of action. I will right. let you know. 
how much further action we're going to be taking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel that. That's weird. But yeah, I usually just kind of sit back and just and let it go. But then, you know, I talk to a couple friends. Those and friends your manager come. has not been able to get anything out of them. Well, Tasha, I'm happy you asked. Yeah. My manager has a call today with the, with the exact. Okay. So next episode, I'll report what happens. Okay, cool. Yeah, keep us posted. That's annoying. I'm sorry. No, it's totally fine. I just I just wanted to bring it up because I think it's a normal thing that Super. happens to people. Not just in my situation, but in any situation. You're waiting to hear back on notes. You're waiting to hear back on... You know, not to make you feel bad. Please. <laughs> but yeah, I recently great. had a similar thing where I was trying to get a response from someone and they replied last night and said, I'm so sorry, there's been a death in the family, <laughs> but I will get you that answer as soon as I can. <sighs> I was like, well, now I'm the asshole. Yeah. I, um, I don't know what to say. Moving on. I'm sure it's not that. Okay. <laughs> so one of my this week's in writings comes from a conversation I was having in my writer's room where um, I have a great writer who will often be like, hey, in this show, they did this. Is there something we can learn from that? Is there something we can steal from that mm. idea that that show has done and make it our own? And it got me thinking about this idea of stealing from other movies and TV shows for your own script. And I just want to talk about what that means and how it's okay. Because my reaction to that, whenever anyone was like, just copy that movie you love. Yeah. I'd be like, no, that's plagiarism. As a writer, I'm offended that you even said that. And B, I don't need to copy something. Like my ego would get involved. I don't need to copy someone. I'm original. I don't need to do that. I don't need to rely on something that's already been done. I need to think of something original. Right. And then I grew up. <laughs> I sort of realized. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, you learn this in school too. This idea that no story is truly original. Every story has already been told. The fact that Shakespeare's plays, most of them were copied from other legends and stories that had already existed. And he just improved upon them and changed them according to what he was feeling and believed at the time. Oh. And that's kind of what we're talking about when we say stealing from other movies and TV shows. It's not taking the plot of something and just literally plagiarizing, which there have been cases of this happening. It's saying that device that they used in that movie, let's say they used a flashback framing device. It really worked for that movie and I loved it. Why did it work? And really, really asking that question in a really kind of critical writer way. Why did that work in that movie? And how can I use that device in our show so that it, it maximizes our feelings in this show? So that's what we mean when we say like by stealing that thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's super valuable. There's, there's something I'm writing now that was kind of pitched as a top gun in a fantasy world. And... <laughs> it like super speaking my language um <laughs> so recently i was like struggling with the top gun aspect which is very weird because i'm obsessed with that movie but it was like that top gun aspect wasn't coming through and what i mean by that is the character's kind of like maverickness and understanding and tracking what made him a maverick in this world wasn't working so i went back i actually like found this document that was like 30 best quotes from top gun all of which I knew, but like didn't remember specifically exactly what they were. And that really helped me because it's like, oh, this in Top Gun, when Iceman says this, 
it's helping the audience understand this about Maverick and where Maverick is in his journey. And that's a really key moment in the movie that if you didn't have that line from Iceman, you really wouldn't, I guess, empathize with Maverick or understand where he was on his sort of character arc. So it's like, okay, I need a moment like that. That's a really good reminder. So that's, again, how it mean, how we mean stealing from something else. It's taking it, twisting it so it's your own. And there are models out there that work. There's a million movies and TV shows out there that work really well. It, I think it becomes foolish to not look at them, see what's working and sort of take it, take it upon yourself. Yeah, um, absolutely. I agree with everything. I'm, I'm, okay. all, I'm all about, you know, taking moments and, and figuring out how to make it work in your own script or story and then make it your own and, and, and do your own thing with it. Because when they work, they work. But yes, everything... When they work, they work. I've actually used this as a reverse engineering tactic where I've written a script. It's totally not working. Like the second act structure is bonkers. It's not working. Why? And then I'm like, well, this movie, I want it to function the same way as this other movie. So then I look at that other movie and I break it down. What does their second act look like? Oh, yeah. this is how they get from point A to point B. That's what I'm missing. I need to do that. Yeah. You know, there's actually been things in scripts that I've read in description where, where I've read writers describing characters in a certain way and it is stuck with me. And I think I've stolen or mm. tweaked that description and put it in my own. I, I remember I caught myself, I did it once and I, and I was like, man, this is an awesome description. And then I realized it wasn't mine. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, sometimes you read these things and you're like, that's a good... yeah." succinct way to say something totally and it just sticks with you and it gets stuck in your subconscious and then and then you need to use it and um (laughs) yeah and then there it is i um last thing about this is i once wrote something and my manager it was an action movie and my manager was like josh this is like almost exactly what happens in mission impossible (laughs) three this is like this is almost ver- like the exact wording that was said. And I was like, really? And then I, I looked back at it and I was like, fuck. I just really stole from Mission oh, Impossible man. 3. Anyway. It reminds me of a story that I think I've already told. Have I told this story about how when I was when I worked at the Paul Revere house? It's Yeah, it sounds familiar. Because <laughs> I think my reaction was, you worked in the Paul Revere house? <laughs> But I, yeah, I've definitely told this story on this podcast where I, where I, I told, I, I would give tours of the Paul Revere house where you like, you get stationed in one of the rooms and you tell everyone who comes in different facts about different furniture or whatever that's in the room. And mm-hmm. I told a whole story to hundreds of tourists in Boston about a certain desk that was made from a pirate ship that was in Paul Revere's house. And that was not true. I had just watched The West Wing. And that was a lie that Sam Seaborn <laughs> from The West Wing told other tourists who came to the White House. So, <laughs> so the levels of lie. Oh, yeah. So um, moving on. Moving <laughs> what on. Is your, what is your This Week in Writing? Well, kind of going back to what you just said, you were touching on something in Act 2. Uh, and how, you know, you have to reverse engineer things. And so I'm going to do a segue because one of my one of my things that I wanted to talk about was getting stuck in act two and how difficult it can be when you get lost in act two. And I was chatting with someone about kind of, you can have an outline and you're following this outline. And then all of a sudden you're in act two and you write something that feels really organic to the character. And 
it's like a decision that almost shifts what a character would do. And you know it's the right thing. You're like, this character would do this instead of that. Mm -hmm. But it completely changes the map of your outline and the map yeah. of your act two. And and I and 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 so I guess I ask you, Tasha, is when you get stuck, here's my here's my opinion is you just have to kind of push through, follow your outline, and just mm -hmm. go. Especially if it's an agreed upon outline that you're, yeah. you're like turning in. But Oftentimes this can happen where, where you you know, your act two is like wrong. Yeah. Has it ever happened to you? All the time. I hate act two. It's the worst. <laughs> so what do you do? Do you just push forward or do you, do you tweak it? And then like, if this you're is writing exactly the this week in writing that I have, can I like jump on your this week in writing with one of my this weeks in writing? Great minds think alike. Let's go. <laughs> so I'm rewriting something right now. And part of my process, it's a movie script. Part of my process is I've, I've re-outlined all of Act 2. Mm -hmm. So some of the scenes that were already in there are in there, but some are new. And the way that I've been working on it, to answer your question, is I outline the whole thing. So I've actually done it in final draft, the outline. So it's like exterior house day. Here's what happens in exterior house day. And then I yeah. go to the next scene. So it's, but it's all in paragraph form. There's no dialogue or anything. It's just all paragraph form summary of what's happening. And then in there, I like take that, I print that. And then I'm like, okay, how is each scene progressing from one to the other? Is there a cause and effect? What is the character beats that I need to hit so that it's arcing from this scene to this scene? So those two scenes make sense back to back. Like I'm just super micromanaging just act two outline summaries, basically. And that's wow. what I'm trying now to see because my act two in this particular script is a fucking mess. I hate it. It's a, such a huge problem and I don't know how to fix it because so much has to happen in act two. Mm -hmm. But this is helping me sort of narrow in on something very specific because if it's all printed out, now I can just look at it, go all the way through and be like, okay, what is the cause and effect? And then I'll start again from the top. Okay, what is the character arcs? And you can just mm -hmm. do one at a time so that I'm like super focused it's fucking hard. I don't know. Is that helpful? Like, that's what I've been doing. But also to your point about characters doing something different in Act 2 than you need them to do is a really interesting point. And I've definitely come up against yeah. that. Like, what do you do? Do you just do you just change it according to what the character would do? Or do you go back to Act 1 and fix it so that he's now doing what he's supposed to do in Act 2? <laughs> I've done both. I, I Yeah. I'm 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 working on something now that I'm just pushing through and I, I can feel there's bumps and I'm like, I know I'm gonna have to go back and change this. And for me, that's one of the worst feelings. I don't like knowing I'm gonna have to change something because there's always that nugget yeah. in my brain that's like, you me have too. to go back. You have to go back. You're gonna have to go back. And then I end up going back and then I just work on a scene that I've been working on for like, you know, 10 years. And I'm like, oh my God, this scene is, is taking too long. But yeah. I don't know. I, I, I guess everyone's method is different. I, I usually just try to push through and that makes me feel like that sense of accomplishment and then I can go back and change, but it's tough. On this one, I've definitely pushed through and just did like a vomit draft of the outline because you need, sometimes you need something tangible to look at before you can figure out how to fix it. If it's all just in your head, sometimes it's hard to figure out the answer. Yeah but almost like a puzzle. Once you see it in front of you, you're like, oh, this piece actually goes here and this piece I can throw away, et cetera, et cetera. Going back to the outline, like, cause I love to, you know, obviously follow outlines and everything, but I had submitted an outline to this producer. We're on the same page about it. And I have a couple set pieces in it. 
and I always do this in my outlines. When something happens and my characters need to get out of a situation, mm-hmm. I know how to write it in an outline so it sounds as if as though I know how they're going to actually get out of it when it comes to the script. Yeah. Um, but then whenever it comes to writing the script, I'm like, what? They're in a burning building on the 180th floor? Yeah. What am I going to do? And I always do this. And I spend so much time in a script trying to figure this out. And the entire time I've pretended like I knew the answer. It's so true. I could just see it now. They get into a burning building and they use their wits to get out of it. And whoever reads it is like, yeah, okay, cool. That makes yeah, sense. Totally. Oh, the, it, How do they use their escape. wits? What does it even mean? <laughs> <laughs> what wits? There's no doors. There's no windows. What have I done? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <sighs> Moving on. Okay. I feel like you can you can understand where this is coming from. I want to reemphasize, we've talked about this on the podcast before, how important it is to not write based on the market. Write what you love. Write the story you think you can tell passionately. Write the thing that moves you, the stories that keep you up at night. Yeah. And I think it's so important for so many reasons. And I'll say the one thing screenwriters who are in a luxury position do say often is only take the jobs you love. I understand that. And they say, if you can envision yourself working on your story for years, like say you get on a TV show and you're like, I really don't like this, but it's a job. Well, now you're suddenly in this job for years and you hate it. Mm -hmm. Even if your script, say you're writing a movie, it gets greenlit tomorrow. You're still probably on it for like half a year of shooting and then half a year of post-production. And it's just a lot. But that's also an opinion that screenwriters who don't have to pay rent with their next job can take is like, say no to the movies and shows that aren't your passion. Cause sometimes you just need a job. But if you're chasing the market, I still think Josh and I both agree that that's just not a way to approach a story. I agree. Uh, yes, we do both agree on that. Has this happened? Does someone tell you like, are they, are they trying to, to chase the market right now? Yeah. Really? Yeah. <sighs> And you're like, well, what story are you trying to tell? Well, I'm trying to tell this story because the market says that this kind of person goes and sees this. And you're like, okay, but that didn't answer the question about what kind of story are you telling? Well, I just feel like it should be relatable to this group of people. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) That's not, what is your story? (laughs) You know, the, the crazy thing about this is I'm sure... That's worked. Like, I'm sure somebody has... Exactly. It, And I'm sure there's people who are very, very successful. It does work. It does, it does work. work. It super works. It's totally... Uh, this is just a Josh and I thing. But I think that a more sustainable career, though, comes from this ability to write what you love and are passionate about. If you're always chasing the market, guess what? You write a, a female-driven spy movie because... Everyone and their mothers is saying that's the thing we need because James Bond just had a really big weekend and now we want our own James Bond. But then six months later, when you're done writing the script, they now want, I don't know, adventure archaeologists because Brendan Fraser got a standing ovation. It can. And so now we want our mummy movie that we can put him in. And you're like, well, what about this female spy thing? It's great. It's a great sample, but we don't need it anymore. So these are the things that you fall into that are troublesome. But if you just write something that's amazing, it, it's timeless. I agree. However, yeah, I me. do think you should consider the market. Yes. 
feel like that's the second piece to this puzzle because what I have definitely done is written things that I'm super passionate about. I have an example on my desktop right now where I just I just adapted a book that I do not have the rights to because I love <laughs> it so much. No one is going to buy it. It is unproducible as is because A, it's an IP that no one's familiar with, which is fine. Like You can kind of get around that, but it's a big fantasy movie. So no one's going to pay millions and millions and hundreds of millions of dollars for something that they don't know if anyone's going to see. And also the book itself that I adapted for myself is influenced by a lot of other fantasy books like Lord of the Rings. So there's kind of a lot of cliche things in there because the author loved them too. Mm -hmm. So those things make it very unproducible, but I love this script. So if I am rightfully going to try to take it to market, I have to be smart about it because ultimately it's a business and I have to change those things that make it feel cliche. I have to try to bring the budget down and these are things that you just have to think about, but it's things I'm doing sort of in retrospect. It's a, it's like this, it's like the B story going on in my brain as I'm writing yeah. because the A story is the, what is the best story to tell? But yeah, hundred percent. My manager in particular is always like, Tasha, that's a great idea, but who goes and sees that movie? And I'm yeah. like, I do. And she's like, mm, <laughs> I will see just this you, though. Just you. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm working with a friend on something and, and, we've been outlining forever and I just had dinner with him recently and he kind of pitched a different version of what we've been outlining. And it was definitely the smaller, uh, I don't want to say contain, but it was like the smaller budgeted version of what we had been working on and, Oh, mm -hmm. well, how can we do this and eliminate characters and eliminate this and eliminate that. Mm -hmm. And that was in part because, uh, he's going to direct it. And, like that in that sense it was like okay yeah let's let's really consider this but if it was just like yeah, a make it super practical make it very practical yes if yeah. it was a screenplay though that i was just writing and we're gonna try to sell it or whatever i'd, I'd probably just say hey now you know we're gonna yeah it's interesting like because this this conversation will happen for the rest of your life in various degrees i think like in the writer's room for instance something happens where i really want to tell this story so badly uh, this one like character story, but it just doesn't work. It doesn't work in a story format, meaning the audience is not going to watch the version I want to tell and understand it because <laughs> yeah. it's like, it's so complex or it requires like two seasons to tell. And so the unraveling, like no one is going to have the patience for. So even though my heart is telling me, I really want to tell this huge sweeping story of this character. The reality is for an audience to understand it and digest it, which is what you ultimately want. You don't like, I could tell that huge story and then have no audience, which is not the end goal. Mm -hmm. So to get that story told in a way that the audience will understand and love and care about are the two parts of yourself. You're always going to have to continue to play with. And mm -hmm. I young Tasha is like, that's selling out. The audience will care about what you tell them to care about. And that's true to an extent, but We've all seen movies that are terrible that were someone's passion. Like they absolutely wanted to tell that story. And you're just like, I don't have the patience for this insanity that you're putting on the screen. It's just like you jerking off on the screen. We can just tell that those are, that's that kind of thing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so now I'm rambling, but no, it's great ramble. It's something you're going to always have to think about. And, and you're right. Like the, it's just the marketing part of it shouldn't be the first thing you think of. Should be the second or third. Um, as you've been going on that 
incredible, not ramble, incredible uh, piece of knowledge that you're just spitting to all of us. <laughs> there, I know the listeners can't see this, but I see you and it's just because of the way you're positioned. It's just a silhouette of Tasha and then <laughs> these clouds moving behind her. <laughs> at, at, they seem pretty fast. I, I can see them moving. And so it's just like, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. All right. I, I just have one last thing. I was thinking about uh, readability of a script. Yeah. I'm a big fan of after you write something or while you're writing something to make sure that the readability of it is very easy. And I always go back and I, I'm curious if you do this, I, I think you do, but you like after you write something, you do a first, second, whatever pass and you go back and you're like, all right, I'm going to start trimming the fat out of all this Th this description and I'm going to mm -hmm. make it tighter, everything tighter, make it mm -hmm. flow. I'm going to be more conversational here. In my case, I'll, I'll do that often or, okay, I don't need this little, this little quip that I kind of threw in that I, I will just do because it's kind of in the heat of the moment and you just write out, you write something that feels right and organic in the moment. But mm -hmm. I just want to put this out there. I just think the readability of a script is really freaking important. So and important. You, you see like a paragraph that has, um, you know, that takes up an entire page although sometimes it can be beautiful and great. And I don't want to read that. I mean, I, I hate to say Nobody it. Nobody got time for that. No, man. I'm going to skim that shit. I'm going to read your first sentence, your sixth sentence, and the last <laughs> sentence. <laughs> so sure-footed about that. <laughs> yeah, I agree. No, so you're so right. I'm so in this camp. At, like, as... A showrunner, part of your job is everyone sends you their outline, everyone sends you their script before it goes to Amazon, Netflix, HBO, whoever it's going to. And your job is, part of your job, is to make it so that when Amazon and Netflix read it, they don't have notes, right? They don't, they're not like, what is happening here? Why is this this way? You want them to read it and enjoy the read so much that they're just stoked for your show. And I find that a big part of what I end up doing to achieve that is all readability. It's like, yeah. it's not that the content from the writers who give me their scripts and their outlines is not there. It is there, but they're not making it feel readable. They're not, it's yeah. not it, like the, the action description doesn't capture the emotions of the mood of the tone of, of what's happening within this scene. And maybe they're not stopping to give a reaction shot where they should to allow the read to kind of take a breath and like to give you that emotion. And so I very much go in there and I start tweaking those things. And I try to be careful to not just, just be like, I'm going to put Tasha all over this page. That's not really what I want to do. Each writer has their own draft that is their script. But I do want to make sure that when Amazon and Netflix read this script, they're really enjoying it the way you would enjoy a good book. And that is extremely important because they have a million things to read and they're not going to get excited about your scripts if they don't enjoy reading it. That's all. Yeah, that's all. The readability. I think it's super important. But you know, I, I feel like we come from a new school because the old school, even like Shane Black and earlier, is just practicality. It's just blueprint and that's it. Yeah. But I don't know if it's just because there's more content now, our executives have less time than they yeah. used to back then. So, yeah, it sucks. 
it really sucks. I, 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 I've actually found myself kind of marrying the blueprint meets like sometimes I, I'll be mm-hmm. in like a second act and just to keep going, I'm like blueprint, you know, Doug jumps off the curb. Like that real like basic things where you just kind of yeah. whatever. But yeah, we do live in a time period where, you know, attention is everything and everyone's coming for your attention. Everybody yeah. is coming for your attention. So when someone's reading a script on an iPad, there is a real chance that they're going to get an update from a news ticker at the exact same time that's going to tell you something about Elon Musk and then your attention's gone. And mm-hmm. it's just sucks. It's the way it, it is. Sucks. It sucks it's a rough. lot. We're in the TikTok generation. Blech. We sound so old. We are old. What are act old? two coming on TikTok? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. All right. Quote of the day. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I have to say one last thing. Yeah. About you saying we sound so old. Yeah. I went to the USC homecoming game recently. I went down there with my wife and my daughter. I was on a college campus. My youthful energy was flowing in my mm-hmm. system, just flowing. I'm down at USC. I'm seeing the Robert Zemeckis building. And uh, it, it, it just, I was like, God, college. And then it hit me that I'm not in college. And it was <laughs> the, it was, I swear to you, the, Oldest I have felt and the youngest I have felt like at the exact same time Whoa. coming together yeah. and life just fucking backhanded me across the face and was like, yo, stop acting like you're in college. You're, you're, you're not. And you then can be I, these children's father. Oh, college kids Jesus father. Christ. I heard those voices <laughs> and I pushed them away and I took some shots of tequila. <laughs> That's 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 my last thought. <laughs> I'm excited for that Josh to show up this weekend. Oh my god, I, he's already he's he's just waiting. He's right over there, just waiting. <laughs> 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 yeah, he's gonna be great. All right, quote of the day: <laughs> The harshest reality in Hollywood is that everybody that has a finished script is immediately ahead of ninety percent of the people that claim to be writers. Bill Lawrence. Ooh. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at at two writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha story Thursday on Instagram. And I'm not going to tell you my Twitter. I'm Joshua Hallman on Twitter, Josh Hallman on Instagram. <laughs> and as always, the acting podcast is a production of act two, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist music by four and four bag, which you can find on Spotify. Spotify.